Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode. I have the absolute pleasure to be joined by uh, Will Aitken. He needs no introduction, um, although I'm about to ask him to introduce himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Will, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you on, uh, mate. Thanks for coming down. David, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. So just to kick off, anybody um, that doesn't know you, do you want to give us a bit of a background um, introduction? Yeah. Uh, crikey, I always struggle to talk about myself like this. But um, yeah, so I'm a um, I'm Will Aiken, a salesperson, sales enablement turned marketer. Um, currently work at a company called Lavender. Uh, it's an AI company that helps sales reps send better emails. And I do a lot of the social content and external training sessions for them. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that means I just talk all about sales, post a lot on LinkedIn, some funny, mostly not. Um, that's my that's my that's my uh, my spiel, I guess. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Will, this um, podcast is all around um, redefining outbound um, and what kind of like how outbound's evolving and changing over time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the question that we like to ask just to kick off proceedings um, is really just ca- kind of what redefining outbound would mean to you. Um, you know, like what have you seen from your experiences and yeah, um, how, how you talk about that, that point? Yeah, I th- I think um, this has changed recently. Actually, you you don't know why because that buzzword AI um, has come up, and I suppose it's not changed that much. But AI is all the rage right now, and I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, AI can actually write okay emails, and it can do kind of these kind of alright outreaches. Um, but for me, AI is all based on patterns, and I think we get, if we become too over dependent on that, then what we do is end up basically fulfilling the pattern and sales is all about pattern interrupts so i feel like being yourself and being creative and being funny and witty and thoughtful in your outreach is really what outbound is all about and going to be about if you want to have your job protected especially as a seller so it's it's just pattern interrupts but it's always been that but now we're having to be more out there to interrupt the pattern because there's so much more that falls within the generic uh, category now. Mm. It's so much easier to produce the generic, right? Um, I, like, I actually yeah. had a, I had a, um, an interviewee come in the other day. One of the questions they asked me was, um, you know, how's chat, how are you incorporate, incorporating chat GPT into your uh, process? And I said, look, like, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not a big believer in it because of exactly kind of how you've just, you've t- just talked about it. I think there are ways that you could do it, but generally I'm not a big believer in it. And he said, thank goodness, because um, sales for me is all about emotion. Mm. So I don't want to work for a company that's not, um, that's that's uh, basing all of their outreach on, on like, ultimately what is a robot. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting and, and could, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So it's just, it's just using what makes you human and putting more of that into your outbound messaging, your cold calls, your, your emails. And I, I think that's ultimately what's going to separate the, uh, the best love that absolutely love that um well i've been stalking you a little bit on um linkedin and i recommend everybody else do that um one of the things that you uh, recently shared is an email fra- framework um that can be used for any industry vertical um customer or product that's what that's that's what it was boasting um and uh yeah i was just like hoping that you could share a little bit around that for for any of our listeners for sure. I'll give you a, a kind of rerun for anyone who didn't see that video. 
Uh, yeah, so I use this email framework and it can actually also be applied to LinkedIn messages and cold calls as well, I find. But it basically goes like this. It starts with an observation about the prospect. So you're reaching out to this person cold. You've done a little bit of research or you've kind of put them in a category of similar prospects so you can scale this to some extent. You make an observation about them. That could be, hey, I noticed your recent LinkedIn post. Hey, I noticed you recently got promoted. Hey, I went on your website and I happened to notice it didn't have this or it did have this. I looked at your reviews on G2 and I noticed this. Whatever it might be, you make an observation that's going to be relevant to the rest of the message. You then tie that observation into a problem. So let's say you went on someone's website and you noticed that they're using Shopify. You then highlight a problem related to the observation. Hey, saw you using Spotify on your website to host your storefront. It's a true observation. You've done your research. You've got their attention. You then go, a lot of folks find Shopify a good place to start, but find they end up overpaying on transaction and hosting fees as they scale into a real business. So then you've highlighted a problem, overpaying on transaction fees, uh, hosting fees, whatever it may be. It's a great place to start. So you're not you're not dogging on them, but you're highlighting a challenge. And then you go into solution, but you don't want to start selling your product. So we've gone observation, problem, and now solution. But you don't want to start feature dumping. So instead, what you can do is reframe it as a story. Other folks like you, or if you have a specific case study that's relevant to them or well-known in your industry, you could say, you know, um, <clears throat> Bloons R Us. Uh, figured that once they got to a certain point, it made more sense to host with our website, which saved them transaction fees without losing any of the functionality. So using a customer story without having to feature dump on them. And then you end with a question, a CTA, uh, which is normally a closed-ended one, just to try and make it really easy to reply to, to get that conversation started. You could say something like, are, trend, are high transaction fees a concern of yours right now? So that's the framework. It goes observation, problem, solution story, question CTA. Uh, so Not you can bad. basically use that on a cold call. You could use that on, but mostly I apply that to my emails. Mm, I think that's so, such a s simple yet effective uh, way of, way of uh, putting that together. Um, the, the one with any framework though, I think like sometimes when we apply framework internally to, to our sellers, like one of the pushbacks we often get is around the restrictiveness that they can have. Um, Hmm. And I was just wondering, like, I suppose off, off the back of that, um, you know, with, well, so firstly, with those frameworks, they often um, coincide with then automation and, um, you know, automation tools. We, and at the start of this, we actually spoke around, um, we spoke around ChatGPT and like all, all of those automation mm -hmm. tools that are doing it. Um, so, you know, are these tools, are they making, like for you, one of the questions that, uh, that often comes up is, is like, are these automation tools making um, us lazy sellers? Um, mm. And ultimately, like, is that, you know, is it restricting creativity? And does a framework, following a framework like you just mentioned, uh, restrict that? Yeah, that's kind of, okay, so that's a good, great point. All right, because that automation was probably like the AI three years ago, right? It was the thing that made everything easy and it made everyone lazy and then everyone had to start doing more things to stand out. Now, the reason I said framework and not template is because template is like you'd whack in a sequence tool and just send to a thousand prospects, right? A framework, the beauty of it is that you can go as creative or, or uncreative as you like with it. So when I talk about an observation, that could be anything from, hey, I noticed that you're the VP of marketing at a company with a thousand employees, right? That's lazy, right? 
that would be something that you could really easily automate. You could send to thousands of prospects who will be that criteria. But you could also take it to the other end of the spectrum uh, where you could do loads of research, maybe too much, the point where you're going to sacrifice volume to some extent. You could say, hey, I noticed that you, um, you're currently hiring SDRs. Uh, or that's probably a little bit maybe um, generic as well. You could make a really personal observation about them and tie that into a problem, but it would take a lot more thought and research to do that. So in that case, you'd be highlighting that you're able to make observations that maybe don't seem related to the problem, but you're using a little bit of thoughtfulness to direct that. So you could be like, hey, I noticed that your competitor is bidding on your keyword on Google. And then, so to so that point, you're kind of getting into that creative observation that's starting to get harder to automate something like that. So when I think about frameworks, it enables the seller to use their mind to like fill in the blanks, essentially. What I don't think people should do is be sending just generic templates because that's going to get you one uh, ignored uh, and the, the message is going to be less relevant, but you're not really showing that you've got any kind of nothing about you, basically. Whereas when you can get that observation and you can fix, ob observe something about someone and then figure out how that ties to the problem that you can help them solve, that just takes a couple of... Uh, two cents, uh, you know, something going on up here in the brain. Uh, and it shows them that you're one thoughtful, but two, if you make a good enough observation, it makes your message appear less automated, which is half the battle of these because buyers have learned to see what an automated message looks like. They've come almost built this mental spam filter because these executives, they're receiving hundreds of emails a day, half of which are sales emails trying to sell them something. So what they've done is they've started to learn, open an email, if they even do open it and not just delete it, and then they see, oh, I hope this finds you well. Or, hey, I noticed you're the VP of marketing at company. And they immediately know this is rubbish, delete. So if you can make an observation that isn't as easily as automated, then in those cases, you're going to interrupt the pattern. They're going to go, okay, this person's actually done their research. I will keep reading. They've earned me to read the next sentence in this email. And then you follow through with the challenge. And if that challenge does resonate, then boom, you're starting to generate some interest and hopefully that reply. So um, awesome. When I talk about frameworks, it's more about don't be lazy, do more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, well, uh, again, stalking your LinkedIn, you seem to have personality in abundance. Um, and when it comes to outbound and being human, I think like you know, there's a lot of advice around showing personality. What I've been thinking about recently, I'd love to to kind of get your take on is how do we how do we advise sellers to balance their personality and showing almost and, and professionalism, I suppose, like how mm. do we, you know, how do we be genuine, but also not cross any boundaries between, you know, if you, uh, if you're throwing a joke in there, like how do we, we, we make sure that we're not crossing the, the boundaries between, um, uh, yeah, like professionalism as well. Um, I don't know whether you've got any particular advice around that. Yeah. So when it comes to creative outreach, I think it's more risky not to be yourself than it is to 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 be generic. Um, believe it or not, no one ever was like, I really want to have a conversation with a very formal, very plain sales rep today. Instead, like leaning in to what makes you you in your outreach, if you can do that, then you're really gonna excel. So don't and also the other thing is you're going to enjoy yourself more when you're at the job as well. So being you, leaning into those things that make you, make you quirky, make you yourself, make you unique, and they're going to make your message stand out. 
uh, or your call stand out or your video stand out or your voice notes stand out. So when I first started in sales, and I think a lot of sellers do this, they think they have to be this kind of very corporate, very polished, very and almost be smarter than their prospects. But reality is, I'm 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 not gonna lie, I'm I'm probably dumber than you know, 95% of VP level executives out there. I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm I'm smart than them. But so 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 I feel like dropping that 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 thing. Now obviously there are some boundaries to that. You don't want to be talking about making jokes about anything edgy. We don't want to be making jokes about religion, sex, gender, and race. Let's not touch any of that. But you can kind of come in with a little bit more creativity than that. And a great way to do that is just figuring out little places where you can drop that in. So like a PS, for example, in your email, you could be like, hey PS uh saw your milk keens uh the dons are having an absolutely horrible season i don't know that's just a little sign that you can do just to show you got a little bit about you i used to work for a company called vidyard sales videos if you can come on camera smile and say something thoughtful and show them you got a little bit about you again that's a great way to showcase your personality voice notes and videos on linkedin and other social media platforms you're sounding more human they know that can't really be easily automated at least um there's probably something out there that can recreate your voice but Let's hope that that's still, these are just some of the ways that you can show that you're a human and get them, let them know to get a little bit about you. Um, and in doing so, um, smile and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say it's it's more risky to not not be a little bit creative in your outreach these days because then you're just going to get, you're going to probably, uh, your result's going to suffer. Mm, totally agree. Why, why do you think sellers are like, because I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said everything you said. And the reason is because I think um, like the world of like being professional is just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's so old school. And I, I just truly just don't believe that, that that's the world that we live in now. But my question is, why do you think others are scared? Like maybe there's a listener out there that is scared to, to kind of show some personality. Like, is there any really specific advice that you have for them? Hmm. Yeah. So as I said, when I first started in sales, I thought I had to be that. I was like, I'm a business person now. I have to be business-like. Um, but again, it's not really what anyone's hoping to do. Talk to a person tr- pretending to be a business person. It's very exhausting as well, pretending to be something you're not. Like, I'm not saying you have to call them and be like, all right, mate, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give an example of what you shouldn't do. But I guess the reason why people might be a little bit more cautious about doing that is because it's a little bit risky. They don't want to ruin their reputation. They don't want to um, have someone come back and be like, this is really unprofessional. How dare you send this to me? But really, unless you're sending them things like, Hey, do you want to go have a drink? There's not, it's quite hard to be unprofessional. You can still be creative and witty. Um, but I think also there's an, there's an element of that, that if you lean into being more of yourself in your outreach and your cold calls and your emails and you get rejected, then that's, it's easier to take that personally because you've put so much of yourself into those messages. Um, so if I call someone and I'm, I'm really being myself and they reject me, then it, it can be easier for me to blame myself for that. Whereas if I'm pretending to be this formal, uh, generic, kind of just following the script, then it's, oh, it's the script's fault, right? But I think if you go into sales expecting those things to happen anyway then and, and just don't take it personally, they probably would have rejected you either way. <laughs> then they can be easier to get past those. Um, so... When I cold call someone, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna lean into those things a little bit more. I'm gonna be a little bit more casual in my tones and a little bit more cheeky. Maybe throw in a joke or, 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 or just you know, break, deviate from the process a little bit when I when I see fit. Awesome. Um, well, can we talk about social selling? 
Um, oh, I'd love to know, yeah, like, right. where, where, when you um, well, there's no choice now. Well, we're we're doing it. That's the plan. Um, <laughs> when, uh, yeah, when, um, um, when did you start social selling? Um, and kind of like what what part has that played in in kind of your sales career? And and is there any like um, particular advice that you, you'd give to anybody um, who is in a sales role right now and, and thinking about social selling? What do you define social selling as? Um, I think it's the the, the way. I, I suppose what people might be interested in is the is the way that you're, um, you know, you're actively posting, building uh, on on LinkedIn, sharing insights, building an audience, that kind of thing, as opposed to um, using LinkedIn as a channel to message people. Um, in, in my view, yeah, sure. So I think, um, yeah, social selling, as I mentioned, it can just be one more way to showcase your personality, but it can be a great lead gen tool as well. So back in, what was it, 2021, I was working as account executive for a company called Proposify, selling to sales leaders. And uh, one day I just posted a meme on LinkedIn. It was something like stupid. It was like, um, ridiculous. Anyway, it got some engagement and uh, I said, hey, should I, should I do more of this? And people were like, yeah, do it. And at the time I just moved to a new city here in Canada and I didn't really know anyone and I didn't really have any hobbies other than selling and I was doing well at my sales role. And that's very important to mention um, because if you start posting on LinkedIn and all that stuff, when you're not hitting your targets, you're going to piss off your manager, I'll be honest. So what I did was I kind of adopted creating content as a bit of a a hobby. Um, So I just used to make one TikTok video a day and then I'd post the best ones that did well on TikTok across the LinkedIn. And then eventually that cascaded into I was getting more engagement. I was getting nicer comments. I was getting feedback, both from my team, people I didn't know. But also, as an account executive, I was jumping on calls with people. And the first call, generally, of a prospect who might come inbound or outbound, they're going to be very cold of you. But I was noticing I'd, I'd, I'd meet with them, I'd connect them on LinkedIn, and then the next time I spoke to them, they were like, hey, Will, I saw your video. That was really great. And I was realizing what I was doing was actually building relationships with people without being in the room with them. And then some other crazy things started to happen as well. I'd have people message me saying, hey, Will, we're actually looking for a proposal software, so your content, can we grab a demo? I'd get people coming into the uh, lead gen form on my website and writing with like a demo notes, please have Will as our rep. So what I was essentially doing is building relationships with lots of people and building awareness of myself with lots of, with m- multiple people through humor and advice posted on LinkedIn. And it was a lot easier because I sell to salespeople. Let's, let's acknowledge that, by the way. I don't think social selling is going to be a fit for every industry. If you sell to engineers, it's going to be a lot harder to reach those people and get in front of them on LinkedIn, for example. Uh, but if you're selling to marketers, recruiters, HR, sales teams, and you can get yourself out there on LinkedIn and start engaging with them, you don't even need to be posting content. Then what you can do is start building relationships with people, and building awareness of you, your product, your service, when you're not even in the room with them. And that's pretty powerful. So that was the idea, and then it cascaded into basically being a full-time content creator. Love that. Um, at the start, you you mentioned like if you're, you know, if you're not hitting your number, maybe don't start it. Like you know, for you, if if you're selling to sales, that sales ICP, would you suggest that every salesperson is is creating content, or like you know? would you give some guidance on on because it sounds great right like everything that, that you just mentioned yeah, like, does, there's lots it? sounds like lots of benefits um yeah. but, you know is it for everyone so it wasn't great when it started by the way it was a grind and it was a lot of time commitment so when i say like don't get involved unless you're hitting your targets like 
I'm saying like, don't commit an hour of your work day to creating content on LinkedIn if you're not even hitting your targets to start with. Like social selling is a long game. It took months to start seeing some of those results I just mentioned. And that was posting every day, creating a video, coming up with ideas. The reason I allowed myself to do that and my manager was happy for me to do that was because I was already hitting my targets. I think the fundamental basics of selling are much more important and going to yield much quicker and faster results. I'm talking about cold calling, emailing, asking the right questions, having good conversations with prospects, then going on LinkedIn and making posts. And that there's a lot more people trying to do it now than there were then. And it's going to feel like a slog. And if you do it for the wrong reasons, remember I did it because I was, it was like a hobby, then it can actually make you feel a little bit like uh, defeated. Uh, so I just don't think if you're at 50% to quota and you want to go start posting on LinkedIn, it's not going to be the, it's not going to be the thing that gets you to hundred. And it's actually, you know, from an optics view standpoint, probably not the best use of your time. The hour that you're spending posting on LinkedIn would probably be better spent sending better emails and making cold calls. And the second thing is your manager is going to be looking at you like, yo, what are you doing? You, you're halfway to your number and you're making LinkedIn posts. So that that's, that's the caution I'll say, all right? Social selling can be great, but it's not an instant re- yield of results. And ultimately that time, and you might take off, you might be the next big influencer, but most people aren't. And it, I just feel like it, it, I, I think people see this as like, a, oh, if I post on LinkedIn loads, then I'll get all the results that we just mentioned. But it didn't happen like that. It happened over several months, potentially even years of posting and building up slowly. And while I was doing that, I was making sure to focus and make sure that everything else wasn't on fire. And that was hitting my numbers. If you weren't doing that, then I just think your time would be better spent actually connecting with buyers directly. Couldn't agree more. Um, and actually, I think you you often see, unfortunately, that some of the the, the influencers and social sellers um, are the ones they that change your jobs every six months. In the number, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do see a lot. That's gonna cool right? Few, and there's mate. yeah, no, no names, no names. But I think um, <laughs> I, I think I get I, you know I've been asked the question um, since posting. I get a bunch of support from my marketing team, which is fantastic. I think it was very similar to you, like back in the day when you first started. In terms of at least you were being um pushed by your your company to do it on top um but yeah fun, first and foremost like you know even like my rule is always um the the team come first so and and you know i think it should be the same for any any seller's number um well you're a salesperson at heart but you are now a marketer because you're yeah, on I don't the like content telling people creation that. side yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like, I don't like leading with that because I still, ident- I still like to tell people I identify as a sell- seller because I wouldn't, I wouldn't do marketing and sell to, for any other industry and content creation for any other industry than sales. Right. It's what yeah. my, I'm passionate about. Um, but yeah, so, so making content related to sales and helping salespeople and training salespeople is what I'm passionate about. Um, not creating content in general. Um, but yeah, ultimately I sit on a marketing team right now, which is, uh, I'm pretty ashamed of that sometimes. No, well, you should, you don't tell anyone. (laughs) I won't give away your secret. Um, I, um, I suppose the reason I asked that question is because you're in a very unique position where you're, um, you're, you obviously know sales better than most. Um, if, and, um, you're, you know, you, you've ended up on the marketing side because there's like, you are 
from my perspective and correct me if i'm wrong on this like you're um very passionate about uh, enablement and training of salespeople, but ultimately like they're the you know and i think it's, it's, it's very obvious to say that the business also will benefit from um, demand creation through the work that you're putting out there and yeah. um one of the uh, topics that we've been debating is around um you know marketing often i don't know whether this is a ter- term being thrown around by the marketing team at lavender uh but marketers are offering uh, often talking about demand creation messaging um whereas sales is often demand capturing messaging and mm. in the unique position that you're in i was wondering whether you, you like uh, whether you see any place in kind of the sales world or for salespeople in using more demand um creation messaging uh as opposed to just the strong kind of capture side um yeah, I would love to get your yeah. take. Yeah, so I like this 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 question. So the way I de- define the differences between demand capture and demand gener- gener- uh, generation creation, should I say? Um, demand capture means that someone's already got demand for something, and what you're trying to do is get them to look at you for it. Right? They've already got a need, and now you just want to get that. Right? So you're capturing their demand. Demand creation is more so they don't, they're not looking for something, right? They're not even thinking about it. They're not even in the market for it. So I think a lot of sales is already doing that, especially with cold outbound. Marketing often is getting people aware of the issues that they're not thinking about. So when I, when I create content or we sell an email tool, I want to create content that highlights what they're doing wrong today and get them thinking about it. And that could be via a meme sometimes when I make fun of like these email cliches, like I hope this finds you well. Although it may just look like a stupid meme, it gets them thinking, oh, that's a mistake I'm making my emails, right? Now, sales the same way can do that and create demand by focusing more so on problem-based messaging. And in these cases, it's not about... So so when I think about uh, demand capture, only 5% of the market are ever looking for a solution. The other 95% are either fine or not actively searching for something. So to 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 try and create demand in sales, what you need to do is start getting them thinking about a problem that they're either aware or they're, they're either unaware of or aware of, but don't really understand or even maybe know there's a solution available to. So instead of talking about your product uh, and the opportunities that can come from using your product in your messaging and your cold calls and your, your emails and your LinkedIn messages. It's about highlighting the challenges that they might be facing, but aren't yet trying to address. And then you can create demand from that. You can get someone who's happy as anything, never going to, not even looking for a product to go, hold on a second. That is a challenge of mine right now. Now I'm interested. And then you become the first vendor they're talking to rather than entering this competitive deal cycle where your close rate is going to be much, much lower. So that's how I think about demand creation from a sales standpoint. It's about highlighting challenges and problems that people aren't thinking about yet or uh, or maybe are totally unaware of. Awesome. Um, and final question. Um, now I've outed you to the world about reporting into marketing. Um, can you help um, us all as salespeople? Um, I, I, I think that sales... Um, often are you underutilizing marketing right or they're not using marketing the right way so again mm-hmm. now being on the in that unique position where you've kind of 
built a bit of experience within a like with a marketing team is there any advice that you would have on how salespeople could be better utilizing their marketing teams yeah yeah i think so i think most of the failures come from the marketing side though i won't lie um so so i'd have a lot of advice on i'm glad you, that's you, market. that's you just proving that you're one of us still yeah 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 <laughs> sucks um <laughs> look the thing is i think as a seller i think a lot of good sellers have done marketing and vice versa a lot of good marketers have done sales as well because it gives you a better perspective of the entire customer journey as a seller I think you need to acknowledge what's happened before someone started talking to you. How aware they are of this. Are they deep into like an evaluation? Have they been looking at 50 other tools and they've whittled it down to the three and you're on the short list? Or are they someone who's just like clicked on a Facebook ad that's like told them that it's going to double their whatever and then requested a demo through that? Or are they someone who's got a challenge, but they haven't really thought about it? Or maybe they've tried to address it in the past, right? So there's like all these things that happen before we start talking to a customer. And I think it's worth acknowledging those because then you have to adapt your approach based on that. You shouldn't come in and ask someone the same questions if they're like deep into an evaluation process and you're on a shortlist as someone who's clicked on a Facebook ad that tells them they're gonna 10X their revenue, let's say. If you ask them the same questions, they might actually become frustrated and, and you're gonna miss the mark. Um, so I would say adapt, understand what's happened before you've got on that conversation with someone, especially for an inbound lead. Even for an outbound lead, you've got to try and understand where they're at today. And that that's the buyer's journey for me. It, it's like it's understanding that what everything that happened before they came and talked to you or accepted your 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 cold outreach and booked a meeting with you, that's the part that a lot of sellers don't acknowledge. And acknowledging that allows you to change your process based on who you're talking to, um, and basically ask them the right questions that are gonna basically uncover the the, the pains and allow you to help them best. Um so yeah. That'd be my my advice for sellers to better utilize marketing is understand what's happening on, on your top of funnel, what the context of the leads that you're going to be getting from marketing and what stage of buyer they are, and then adapting your outreach and approach and questions and conversation to them to match that that basically. Um, so don't treat someone who's come in who's gonna who's who's evaluating three different vendors and wants a demo to someone who's maybe attended a webinar. And is curious enough to check out more. So yeah, that's my that's my one piece of advice. I know it's not super tactical, but um, I think I'm going to be asking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on. I was, was going to say I think that's very tactical, to be honest. And I think I think it's okay. ignored. You know, like I I I know internally again, like we, you know, the like attribution. We have a whole attribution model, right, which is built by marketing, yeah. but sales never really kind of take a look into it and really look at the campaigns that things are coming from, right? So. Um, but it does just give you such fantastic insight and fantastic information if if you if you kind of um, yeah know what you're talking about or or if you've done the done the work to to understand it. So yeah. totally agree. Um, well, that's unfortunately all the time that we have for today. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I'm sh sure our listeners have as well. Um, thank you so much for all your insight. Um, well, if anybody is wondering and wants to um, see more of you, where can they find you? Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and is there any anything um, you know? Is there anywhere that else that they should be going? Um, is, do you want to quickly speak on Labrador at all? Um, yeah, LinkedIn, Will Aitken, one of the Purple Heart. Um, 
and yeah, we are, I've, I've been building some really uh, not just informative, entertaining content on our YouTube channel recently. So that's probably one of the best places I'd look. Um, go to the Lavender YouTube channel and there will be a 10 minute video on there that will teach you everything you need to know about sending cold emails. Watch that, drop a like and subscribe. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.